0: Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Well, good afternoon, everyone again. Welcome back to services here. It is the 24th day of the seventh month, and... For one particular time today, this message that would be important. The 24th day of the seventh month. I want you to keep that in mind. Happens to be 198 days until Passover. That's on our little website. You know that Adrian keeps that updated. And I was curious how many days, and I looked it up this morning, and it's 198. Also happens to be the inter, inter, uh, what do they call it? The where the in, the insertion of the thirteenth month because it was so early this year. So it's extra long this time until the Passover this year. The year was 1863, on a spring day in northern Pennsylvania. A young man was walking the, the paths and the forests of northern Pennsylvania when he realized he only had a dime left in his pocket. And he was quite hungry. So he decided to stop at the next house and ask for a meal, a glass of water, whatever they were willing to offer. But he lost his nerve when a young woman opened the door. Instead of a meal, he asked for simply a glass of water. She thought he looked hungry, so she brought him a large glass of milk. He drank it slowly and then asked how much he owed her. She replied that you don't owe me anything, Mother has taught us never to accept pay for kindness. He said, well, then I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And this gentleman left the house, and not only feeling, of course, stronger physically, his, uh, his stomach satiated somewhat, but his faith in God and man was strengthened as well. He had apparently been ready to, he was down on his luck, things weren't going so well for him, and this sort of inspired him a little bit. Much, many years later, that same young woman became ill. Local daughters, local doctors were baffled and finally sent her to the big city, where they called in specialists to study her rare disease. Dr. Howard Kelly was called in to consult on this case. When he heard the name of the town that she came from, he went down the hall to the hospital to her hospital room. Dressed in his doctor's gown, he went in to see her and recognized her at once. He went back to his office and was determined to do his very best to save her life and from that day forward she became one of his special cases and he gave particular attention to her case as the long struggle went on it was a particularly uh, difficult disease they eventually won the battle and she went into remission he requested from the business office of the particular hospital to pass the final billing to him for approval. He wanted to make sure it was built correctly. He looked at it, then wrote something on the edge of it and sent the bill to her room. She was, of course, scared to open it, but for, for of course, fear she was not a very well-off woman. She was fearing that the, the cost of this would be exorbitant and that she would take years to pay this off until she caught something on the side of the bill that said, paid in full with one glass of milk. This was the same uh, woman that had years before had offered this young doctor a glass of milk. And this young doctor went on to be one of the founding four doctors of Johns Hopkins University Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. You may have heard that's one of the more well-known medical teaching institutions in the United States. But he never forgot that encounter with that young lady in his time of need. Every now and again, we all experience life-changing moments, times in our life that we can look back and recognize that our life took a turn, for good or for bad, hopefully for good, at that particular moment. As I said in the opening session, the Feast of tabernacles for us should be life-changing experiences. It should possess for us on a yearly basis, life-changing and year-defining, where we come back and we can see how excited we were here. We think of where we have just returned from, wherever it was that you had the opportunity to, to partake of your feast. And there's, of course, several of our family here not miss, or are missing. They've come down with colds and other other items. We've heard from some that are not here. We've come back from time set apart to worship every day. The cares of our leaving the cares of our regular lives in the past. Time to fellowship with God's people, building relationships. We've heard several examples of people who either renewed friendships or built new relationships learned lessons from working together as we did as I did down in Florida working together for a greater purpose after 38 feasts I look back and some of the happiest times of my life happened at the Feast of Tabernacles (coughs) some of the messages and lessons learned I can think back to specific feast sites I think of being in Quebec City and I, think of a particular, I, I can think of a particular message in the, in the particular gentleman who gave it and I associate Quebec City with that feast. I can think of a couple of messages in Leamington and the list could go on and on over the course of all of those many feasts. As we return to our normal lives, we cannot let the momentum that we built over the course of the Feast of Tabernacles go for naught. So today what I would like to do is build upon the momentum that we experienced over the course of the last three weeks, not just the last week of the feast, but the entire, the entire uh, fall festival season as a whole, by turning our eyes forward to the next year and all that lies ahead for us collectively and individually. The festival periods can serve like growth charts for us that we can think back to perhaps when, whether it was yourself or, the, or your children, you have perhaps growth charts on the back of their, of their door and uh, we moved far too many times to even warrant having a growth chart. Uh, it made no sense to 13 times to to draw on the wall and then take that wall and move it here and move that the wall down to the next house so our kids are not fortunate to have any any growth chart uh, that some do but the feast festival periods can act as as growth charts so to speak where we can gauge our, our individual and collective growths from year to year and as we proceed from one year to the next we should be seeing the growth that we are making individually and collectively as we become more like our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ in mind, in spirit, and in character. I mentioned the 7th month and the 24th day, which is today. Obviously, the, the festivals are from the 15th to the 22nd of the 7th month. We can see that in Leviticus 23. Having ended on Thursday, today being the Sabbath, that makes today the 24th day of the 7th month. It actually plays in a very important part to the message Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. You can turn to chapter 9. And just to set it up, to provide some of the background, you'll recall that the Persian emperor allowed Nehemiah, who was a high level in a high-level position in his government, he was his cupbearer, to return to Jerusalem to help rebuild its walls. Then after returning to Jerusalem to re-inhabit it, you can see that in the first several chapters of Nehemiah, Ezra then reads the law to the people in conjunction with the keeping of the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and the eighth day, of course, that we now know as the last great day. But by going to Nehemiah chapter 9... We jump into the account as the Feast of Tabernacles has come to an end. And looking in verse 1, we see that now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting, in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for one-fourth of the day, and for another-fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Then Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chenani stood on the stairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, the same gentlemen that are mentioned, with the addition of one more, Pethiah, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. We'll, take, we'll stop there just for a second. And we see that following the Feast of Tabernacles, the people stayed and gathered to worship God. And they were looking both forward and backward. And we're going to see that as we go through some of this. And we'll, we'll tie this in with a couple of other stories here as we see the process of rededication take place in three different examples at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Continuing in verse 5, we're just going to take some time to read Nehemiah 9, just for for, a few minutes. And we see that to God, these, these Levitical priests, on behalf of the people confessing their sins, again said, stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and everything on it the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithfully before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it to his descendants. And you performed your words for you are righteous. So looking back, they go back to their history and they see... Not only worshipping God and telling God, praising his name and telling him how glorious he is and all that he means in their lives. But then they start to review their history and they go back to the start of the covenant with Abram. Then they moved, as we now see in verse 9, they moved down into a few hundred years later, 400 or so years later after Joseph. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. And you showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all servants, and against all the people of of his land. For you knew that they had acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself, as it is this day. And you divided the sea before them, so that they went out through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors you threw into the deep, as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the road which they should travel." Now, again, God doesn't need to be reminded about all that he did for them. This isn't for God's benefit. This is for their benefit, so that as the people gather together, they can be reminded of all that they went through in the past. You also came down, verse 13, on Mount Sinai, and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts and statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant, You gave them bread from heaven for hunger, and brought them out, brought them water out of the rock for their their thirst, and told them to go into to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. So as you as we consider our past, you can think individually and collectively back here. We look here at life-changing moments in 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 the example of the people of God, when God called out Abram, and changed his name to Abraham, and started his covenant. When God used Moses to draw his people out of Egypt, and again, make a turn in the, the lifeline of the people of God. These, these special, life-changing moments that happen in the lives of God's people. But, verse 16, here's where they now look at their own actions over the course of history. They've praised God, they've looked at all the great things God did, then they take some time to turn mirror against themselves, and their past, and they said, but they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. So an honest look at themselves, looking back, but still mindful that... They were where they were because of God's abundant mercy. Even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, This is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. We walked around Disney World for one day and our feet were sore, our legs were done. We were saying, when Lisa and I were much younger, we bought three or four day passes and we went two days in a row. There's no possible way we could have dragged ourselves around the second day in a row this year. Um, Looking at that here, we see that God sustained them for 40 years, for 40 years, their clothes didn't, didn't wear out, their, their legs didn't get sore, their feet didn't swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts, so they took possession of the land of Sion, the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Og, king of Bashan, and you multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land the Canaanites and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished and they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods cisterns already dug vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance so they ate and they were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness and again despite all of, all of the, the things that they didn't deserve God continued to bless them because they would come back, they would, they would partake of God's mercies, and he continued to bless them. Nevertheless, continuing in the same, the same uh, pattern, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. Cast your law behind their backs. Killed your prophets and testified against them to turn them to yourself. And they worked great provocations. Therefore you delivered them into the hands of their enemies, who oppressed them. And in their time of trouble, when they cried to you, You heard from heaven, and according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies, and testified against them, that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly, and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, they stiffened their necks and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them, testified against them by your spirit and your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hands of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty and awesome God, Who keeps covenant and mercy, then do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and on all of your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. And therein lies, in those two lines, a recapturing of their entire history. They've taken time in their praises and their prayers to God to recap from Abraham down to the current time. And they summed it up here with those, those two lines. You have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in that, their kingdom or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they return from their wicked works. You have dealt faithfully, yet we have done wickedly. When we look back at our past, individually and collectively, you can take time in your, in your minds to look back to when you started your walk with God. Collectively, as part of this, this greater body of Christ, we can look back, to the old Worldwide Church of God. Back when, the last time I was in Florida, there weren't 100 people at the feast. There was 10,000 people at the feast. 10,000 people in one feast site. I, it's been years since I've seen that. I don't know if anybody here who has, who has had that opportunity to be in a feast site where there were 10,000 people. We filled an entire arena, and it was just one site. I remember being back when I was a, a, in the 70s, when I was much younger than even even the young children up front here, There was 15,000 people at a feast site in the Poconos in Pennsylvania. And then we look back, much like these people did here, at the fracturing of the church due to originally doctrinal error, and then people scattered to wherever they went, to any number of, I think there's probably 400 groups now that that, that, that link their origins back to the Worldwide Church of God and we landed wherever God moved us to, wherever God had us land, the circumstances each, each of us faced as we proceeded through our particular journey, both individually and collectively. And then, much like these people here, we see verse 36. Here we are, servants, today. So we think of where we came from, way back from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, if you were part of that at all, or and for those of you listening to this Um, online in the future there may be people listening to this later on that also went through some of those experiences way in the past but here we are servants today a small little group here of about 30, we're not all here today but between 30 and 35 here in Burlington here we are today much different than where we were a year ago there was no such thing as our little congregation when we last left the Feast of Tabernacles in 2012 Here we are today. In the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, here we are, servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings. Yet you have set over us because of our sins, and they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. So their their current set of circumstances at that time, they were small, they were scattered, but it was because of the sins of their fathers that had set them up for this. And in verse 38, because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. As we look forward here, we are a small group. We have done over the course of the last six months. We had the the start over in the Holiday Inn. We didn't know where this was going to go, and now we are blessed with this facility here. We've got we've taken time to have children's classes. We've taken time to to develop our our Congregation here, and now we look forward to this future year with lots of plans, with with plenty of plans. Youth lessons will now start, and we have a whole year planned out for the New Testament. We hope to get a social committee started, social committee with a lot of input and operated by our young people. That's part of part of some of our, some of our plans, and we'll we'll go over some of this in future weeks when we have some of our town halls. We want to start some local, steady evangelism, not big, massive campaigns, because we certainly don't, uh, we don't have the manpower for that, but local, steady evangelism using social networking that's already started. We, have a faith, we do have a Facebook page that has been started, and amongst our, the podcasts that we have, making proper use of social networking, that would come from the help from uh, anyone here that wants to help volunteer. There are some plans to have some small midweek meetings where possible, where possible to, for spiritually focused midweek meetings so we've come a long way over the course of history from the time zone there were 10,000 people at a feast site to now where we are sitting here with with what amounts to 30 to 35 people in our congregation at this present time with plenty to do, plenty of opportunities and much like we read here in the words of these, these Levitical priests here here we are servants today Looking forward to the future. Looking here in chapter 10, we see here that the people who signed this covenant on this day, on this day in that particular year, we won't take time to read the names, drop down to verse 28. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the people of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, these joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath, the blessings and the cursings. That's what that means. If you follow, if you, if you follow God, if you do what He has promised that you will do, you will be blessed, and if you don't, you will be cursed. To walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and His ordinances and statutes. Their commitment. They committed together to, to follow God. We see then, we won't take time then to go through chapter 11, 12, and 13, but we see that all the people, when you go through here, you see that all the people played a part. There were tribes, there were priests, there were choirs, there were temple responsibilities. Everyone played their part in committing to this covenant where they said, here we are, servants today. And they committed themselves to doing better for God in their little little part of the world. All seeking to purify the people and make them right before God because of their commitment to their covenant with Yahweh. And all of this happened, this dedication, we see here that Nehemiah followed this up by dedicating the wall that he had rebuilt around Jerusalem, happened two days after the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Dedicating the people back to God for service to Him. 1 Kings chapter 8. 1st Kings chapter 8. Let's go back in time a little bit to King Solomon. 1st Kings chapter 8. 1st Kings chapter 8. The temple had been finished. The Ark was now being the Ark of the Covenant was being brought in. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all of the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So all the elders came and the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the Ark of the the Lord, the Tabernacle of Meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the Tabernacle, and the priests and the Levites brought them up. So as they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into this rebuilt and refurbished new temple that Solomon was, was privileged to have helped build for God, it happened during the Feast of Tabernacles, during the seventh month of God's calendar. Drop down to verse 14. And we see Solomon's prayer part of his dedication. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel was standing. The entire assembly was there, and Solomon blessed them. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his, with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand has fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son who will come from your body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have filled the position of my father David and sit... On the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel, and there I have made a place for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you, who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants, who walk before you with all their hearts. Who have kept, You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. Have, you have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled in your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father. Saying, you shall not fail a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk before me as, I, as, I, as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David. My father. All of this taking place at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. Dropping down to verse 54, Solomon continues his prayer of dedication of the temple. First of all, blessing the assembly. We pick it up in verse 54. And so it was, when Solomon had finished praying all of this prayer and supplication to the Lord, that he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees, With his hand spread up to heaven. Then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers and may these words of mine with which I have made supplication before the Lord be near the Lord our God day and night that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day may require that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day and again Focusing the the people of Israel on the fact that they have this new temple, this brand new temple built for God, dedicated at this time of year. Dropping down to chapter 9, I'd like to read three more verses in this account before we flip somewhere else. Verse 1. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, and the king sails and all of Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer. In your supplication that you have made before me. Take now, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And let's pick up the account as written in 2 Chronicles. So we covered the dedication of the wall built around Jerusalem taking place on this very day, the 24th day of the seventh month. Now we're looking at the dedication of the temple years earlier, the seventh chapter of 2 Chronicles. Let's pick it up in verse 8. At the time Solomon kept the feast, seven days, and all Israel was with him, a very great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. And on the eighth day they held a sacred assembly, for they observed the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the twenty-third day of the seventh month he sent the people away to their tents, joyful and glad of heart for the good that the Lord had done for David, for Solomon, and for his people Israel. And we just read that account in the book of First Kings. Now take the time now, let's drop to verse 12. So we see here that he sending the people away, they're blessing them, the prayer of dedication took place on the 23rd day of the month, which was yesterday. Verse 12, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, that very night which <clears throat> would have been the start of the 24th day of the month, and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. And as for you, If you walk before me as your father David walked, and do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom, as I covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man as a ruler in Israel. The second time that this dedication and acceptance of this dedication took place on the 24th day of the seventh month, the day that we are sitting in and, and participating on this Sabbath day today rededication and dedication of God's people took place more than once here at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles and in the days following the Feast of Tabernacles. And God's acceptance of the terms and conditions and the acceptance of the people's acceptance of the covenant. Let's go to a third account in Haggai chapter 2. A third account in Haggai. We know it's been covered before the setting during the time of Ezra, the first several chapters of the book of Ezra, the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, several decades before the account that we originally read in the book of Nehemiah, 60 to 70 years beforehand. And we recall the people delayed in rebuilding the temple. Around 539, they were given the task, they built the foundation of the the temple, and then they stopped. They, they didn't They didn't continue with the rebuilding of the temple. We won't take time to go through all three prophecies of Haggai for time's sake, but let's focus on chapter 2 and his second prophecy, which took place on the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles. We pick it up in verse 1 of Haggai chapter 2. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? We covered, back when we talked about the original story in Nehemiah, when we saw that the people of, of the time, the priests of that time and their dedication looked back at all of the history of the people, and then they said, Here we are, servants, today. From among us, Who amongst us remembers the glory of the church when there were 150,000 people keeping the Feast of Tabernacles? As we look forward from this Feast of Tabernacles to what we can do this year, we are reminded in this vein here, Who is left amongst us that saw that former glory? Are we trying to build what we had back then? Let's read the instruction here from God through Haggai. In comparison with it, continuing in verse 3, Back to the beginning. Who is left among you that saw this temple in its former glory? And How do you see it now? Are we disappointed that we have 30 people here in Burlington? Let's see what we have here. In comparison with it, is this not your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, the Lord says, and work. Our responsibility is to work with whatever God places before us. And work, for I am with you. And according to the word that I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, and do not fear. Who is amongst us that remembers the former glory of the church? We don't need to compare ourselves to that old glory. We don't need to compare ourselves to other congregations. We don't need to compare ourselves to wherever we were at the feast. We have been called out to work, to be strong, and to do it together as a group. And we see that on three different occasions that the people of God were rededicated either at the end of the feast or in the subsequent two or three days following the Feast of Tabernacles and the time that we share now. We can come back from the feast sad, all down because we've got to go back to work or back to school and the greatness of the feast is gone, or we can come back reinvigorated from the feast with much left to do. And over the course of the last six or seven months that we've been here, We have had much to do. We've come far, and there's much left to do, as we said. As we said, here we are, in the words of those people in Nehemiah, here we are, servants today, with much left to do. And I include those who are not here, Larry and his girls, Scott, the Brinsons, uh, Ray and Olivia, and, and Rosalia. We include them all here as part of us. There's much to do, and do we recall why there's much to do? Because he needs our Savior, when he comes, needs to to find us doing his work. He needs to find us occupied and doing business till he comes. He needs to find us watchful, and he needs to find us faithful. The Feast of Tabernacles has been a turning point for God's people for a long, long time. It has produced life-changing moments of rededicating people to the work God has asked of them. As we hear our new church family have just completed our first year of celebrating the festivals of God an entire festival course we have just finished for the very first time there is much left for us to do so together I ask that we rededicate ourselves as the feast has come to an end individually and collectively to God let's turn with as we finish to Numbers chapter 6 Numbers chapter 6 that was read in the scripture reading And we read the erotic blessing, the priestly blessing that God commanded Moses to give to Aaron for his people. And we read, The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 22, number 6, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. And as we came to the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, we picture his kingdom coming at the time when we will be given new names. When we will be given the name of God. I would like to, if you'll permit me, to finish with a prayer of dedication for our congregation. We see time and again, on these three, three separate instances where the people of God were dedicated at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. We have much to do. There's, there's exciting times ahead for us. So what I would like to do is if we would all like to rise, and if we could, join hands so that we are our one family somehow join hands.